A few days before recording this show, we were saddened to hear the news that vegan advocate and poet Benjamin Zephaniah had died at the age of 65. A vegan since he was a teenager, Zephaniah was a vocal advocate for animal rights. Recently, he condemned the UK's badger cull and made a music video encouraging people to go vegan. He was an honorary patron of the Vegan Society, Viva and Evolve campaigns. In 2007, he launched the Animal Liberation Project with Peter, and in 2001, he published The Little Book of Vegan Poems. Away from vegan advocacy, he wrote more than a dozen books of poetry, as well as several novels, children's books and plays, as well as acting in a number of films and television productions and released several albums. As well as his animal rights advocacy, Zephaniah spoke out against homophobia in Jamaica, where his mother was from, as well as standing firmly against colonialism and the monarchy with his 2007 refusal of an OBE. On a personal level, I remember distinctly the central role he played in the short video I watched at the West Midlands Vegan Festival in 2010 that convinced me to be vegan and so he'll forever have a place in my heart as well as doubtlessly holding a special meaning to countless other vegans that he's inspired and will continue to do so long after his passing. Thanks for listening to this short tribute to the late Benjamin Zephaniah. Now, welcome to episode 13 of Vegan Week. Does a vegan diet cause difficulties in pregnancy? Would you eat the new McSalad burger? And are vegans doomed to bring their own food to Christmas get-togethers? Anyway, that's enough of the falafel. I'm Kate. I'm Anthony. I'm Josie. And I'm Dewey. And this is episode 13 of Vegan Week. Thanks for joining us for episode 13 of Vegan Week, produced in partnership with Fire and Flow Coffee. If you love great coffee, want to spend your money with vegan businesses and love a cheeky discount, head over to fireandflowcoffee.co.uk and enter falafel10, so that's falafel10, at the checkout to get a sweet 10% off your order. Fire and Flow owners Shah, Phil and Callum love the Enough of the Falafel community and they cannot wait to share their fantastic tea and coffee with you. But what are we talking about this week and who are we joined by? Well, I'm delighted to be joined by three people all looking at me through their laptop screens at the moment. Josie, Kate and Julie all on Vegan Week for the first time this week. Massive welcome to all of you. Josie, what have we got coming up this week? Well, some of you may be joining us to hear about pregnancy whilst being vegan and whether or not a plant-based diet affects this important time of life. This is our main discussion topic for the episode and will be featured in the second half of the show. Yes, but in every episode of Vegan Week, we always make the first section of our show a rundown and commentary of our top 10 vegan news stories from the week. Right, enough of the falafel. Let's get it on. Okay. As per usual, we have selected 10 news stories that have been released in the last seven days or so, all of which relate to veganism, animal rights or outcomes for animals. What's our first story this week, Ant? Well, Kate, it sounds like I might need to get the Tupperware out after researching this story from Economist. 75% of vegans often feel compelled to bring their own main dish to festive celebrations. So recent data 
coming from UK supermarket Asda indicates that 29% of Brits are uncertain about preparing a vegan-friendly Christmas dinner, whilst 75% of vegans often feel compelled to bring their own main dish to festive celebrations. Now, when you read the story, it's, it's basically Asda doing a bit of PR. They're creating an opportunity to advertise their own vegan range. We can't blame them for that, but we are going to skim past this because this is not Asda's advertising space. So we'll just focus on the data. So according to the survey, we've got the following numbers. About 17% of Brits express anxiety over cooking a separate meal. 19% are unsure about vegan meal options. 21% fear their offerings might not meet expectations. And in response, 28% of Brits have researched vegan meal options on online, whilst either 9% resort to traditional nut roasts or request that their vegan guests bring their own dishes. Now, there's more numbers for you, so I hope you're taking notes. The study further reveals that 20% 27% of vegan participants feel apprehensive about the meals they might receive at a meat eater's home during Christmas. A significant 75%, so three quarters, have encountered unpalatable vegan meals from non-vegan hosts. And the reasons they cite are blandness in 42%, dryness in 30% of the cases, and additionally, 18% of people have been served non-vegan dishes presumably by mistake or maybe out of spite, who knows. Non-vegan family members have also provided dry nut roasts, plain vegetables and even beans on toast in 9% of cases, according to the survey. Now, Vegconomist also reports findings from Tesco's annual Christmas report, who found that a quarter of British households will be catering for a vegan, 6%, vegetarian, 14%, or plant-based, 5% guests this year. And furthermore, in 2022, research by the Vegan Society found that one in five Brits incorporated vegan dishes and desserts into their Christmas dinner. So are you are you looking forward to a, a bland and dry nut roast this year? Is that what's on the cards? I'm actually really lucky because all my family are vegan, so I don't have to worry about whether they're going to serve me non-vegan food. So if we're having a whole family Christmas, the whole food, like everything's going to be vegan. So Kaboom. I don't really, I don't have any opinions on this. I'm always all right. There are so many people here in that getting really cross with you, Josie, just feeling so jealous. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, with, yeah. with those numbers, like a lot of them seem quite low in terms of like people feeling anxious about cooking vegan. It looked like about one in five in most cases and like feeling anxious. Like, do we think this is just like normal numbers to do with like, if you're cooking for anyone, you're going to feel anxious, whether or not they're vegan? Arasda just making a big thing of this because they want to flog their... Is it a whole vegan turkey they're doing this year? Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm wow. pretty sure I've seen that. Do you think this story... So Asda releasing all these numbers saying like how people are not prepared to cook for vegans and people don't know what to do. They're feeling anxious about it. Vegans have had loads of really bad meals in the past. Do you think that makes us look more judgmental? Um, no, it doesn't make us look anything. It does make other people look a little bit nervous. But this is, you know, an anxious time of year for a lot of people. Cooking for people is anxious, kind of um, generating activity. Yeah, if they want to channel it that way. But it's it's about them. It's not about us. We're not judgmental. It's not about what you're eating. It's about getting together anyway. They're missing the point a little bit. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. But also, I quite like the idea that people are anxious because it means they care, you know, even if they're doing their 
horrible old dead bird, you know, they actually care about what their vegan family members eat. And if I could just say as well, Josie, I'm I'm really lucky in that most of my family are vegan too. And those that aren't, they get no option if they come here. That's it. it, no, it I'm not cooking any, any dead animals for them. So, you know, it's that or not. It's nice, isn't it? Is it just an empty <laughs> plate then? Is it like the classic, here's the vegan option, it's an empty plate, but in reverse? Uh, well, no, it's a full plate, isn't it? With all the amazing vegan food on it. Oh, it's, I, I didn't realise other people were allowed to have it. Like that's this is this is great news. This is great news. Oh yeah, yeah. Tell them, please. But do you think though <laughs> we're making a bit of a problem when there isn't one? Because I know that a lot of traditional people, if you had them round on that particular twenty fifth of December, and there was not a dead turkey on the table, would be asking questions. But Apart from that part of it, which isn't part of everybody's expectation, you could probably prepare something absolutely beautiful and don't label it vegan, just it is what it is. And mm. I think it's the mystique around this title and description, vegan food, as if it's something separate. It's not. It's it's what carnists eat a lot of the time. They just don't label it vegan food. It just happens to be peaceful and made from plants. Yeah, I was going to say, and you can make it really beautiful. Like you say, Julie, you know, uh, it doesn't have to look boring. Um, it doesn't have to come out of a box. You can make it from scratch, even, if you can if you can be bothered. It can look absolutely stunning, can't it? Absolutely beautiful. So, you know, there's no excuse, I don't think, for, for not even trying it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, if your in-law's house isn't the most vegan-friendly place to be this holiday season, this next story may help you out. Julie has the headline. Yeah, so from Wales Online, London is the most vegan place in the UK as a quarter of meals delivered, ordered overall, are plant-based. So recipe box provider Gusto has released its 2023 food trends report, which shows that London tops the list for vegans, while Blackburn is at the bottom of the table when it comes to choosing plant-based meals. So Gusto has seen demand for its plant-based recipes soar for the fourth consecutive year. And as part of the report, they've also put customer data under the microscope, examining 110 major UK towns and cities. The top 10 locations for choosing plant-based recipes were... London with 33%, followed by Harrow, Brighton, Bristol, Cambridge, Edinburgh, Watford, Oxford, Truro, and in 10th place, Southall with 26%. Across the board, plant-based meals accounted for 23% of all Gusto recipes ordered in 2023. The places with the lowest percentage of plant-based meals were ordered in Doncaster, Sunderland and Blackburn, with vegan recipes accounting for only 18% of deliveries to each region. The remainder of the bottom 10 was made up by Bolton, Cleveland, Wigan, Blackpool, Oldham, Darlington and Dumfries. Julie, it's, it seems like you're on the wrong podcast. Everywhere in the top 10 was south of Cambridge, whereas everywhere in the bottom 10 
of the of vegan meals ordered was north of Wigan. Like there's a massive north south divide, and you're you're very firmly in the north, aren't you? Uh, can I just say though that Edinburgh is in fact not south of um, Cambridge, and it's in the top ten. Oh, was it? <laughs> Have I missed that? <gasps> yes. I apologise. Good grief. Out to well. Edinburgh. It's only twelve miles from where I'm sitting right now. Well, that's clearly a, a hive of vegan activity. Well, that's fine. You can carry on. We won't banish your microphone. Edinburgh aside, <laughs> Edinburgh aside, there's still quite a divide, isn't there? There is. There certainly is. But then how much is a recipe box provider data representative of people's lifestyle values, eating habits? Who are recipe box customers and why? (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole other podcast, I think. (laughs) My my parents get a recipe box box um and i think they generally get plant-based stuff from it and they they really like it and i struggle to understand why but maybe having been vegan when it was very difficult to to do so or or to to have pre-made things maybe i've just learned learned how to cook things in a vegan way without having to think about it but it's so do we as a consensus then do we do we think this is any kind of relevant data at all like can we glean any insight into plant-based eating patterns here at all I don't know I think it's a good thing though no matter whether it is that relevant I mean the fact that 30% of people in London well it's not people in London but the people in London that were ordering recipe boxes did Mm. order plant-based ones I think I think that's good news I mean the bar's really low but it's a good thing yeah I agree with you uh, Josie, but I do wonder yeah who are the people who buy the veg boxes I think probably they're kind of more middle classy type people anyway, perhaps. I mean, I've never bought a veg box, um, uh, a kind of meal box in that way. Um, so I don't think you can extrapolate it across all the populations. I was just going to say, I did a little bit of research into Gusto mm-hmm. and I wanted to dislike them and I couldn't <laughs> oh, no. manage. Go on, why? And I also went on their website just as a kind of almost practice mystery shopper and all the rest of it. What I would say, they only had 11, they don't call it vegan, but plant-based options. So the people having a high delivery rate, you know, of vegan meals are doing well because they are not well represented, you know, in terms of their options. But actually, as someone who is a bit of a lazy slut in the kitchen... (laughs) I really, I will, I will grab anything that saves time and maximizes eating time as opposed to cooking time. If, if there is more eating time than cooking time, I'm happy. But I fell at the first hurdle. Their nut roast takes 55 minutes to make. And you need baking. What do you need? What's that thing? Baking paper. (laughs) A baking tin, a loaf tin tin and greaseproof paper. And I just think if you've got that kind of gear in your kitchen, you could be making that thing from scratch. So actually, I, you know, do, do we not do we think these numbers actually should be much higher in terms of, like you say, they're not really catering for for vegans particularly well, or maybe even their target audience? Yeah, I think probably more that people would be choosing more plant based options if you know they had more on offer because I know I had a quick look as well and I saw that they had 23 beef and pork options mm. as opposed you know and that was just 
the beef and pork. Uh, I think, is it about 80-something different meals and only 11 of them are plant-based. So how often they change those options, I don't know. Also, they're going on about their sustainability goals and all the rest of it. And um, great, they're trying to cut down waste and they say they cut down waste, which is true, I'm sure. But selling beef and pork options blasts that sustainability thing right out the water doesn't it yeah. you know let's face it but i guess it's a start it's a start and you have to celebrate that at least you know yeah i think what's happened is they were doing very well during the pandemic and during lockdown and now food prices have gone up the ingredients have got more expensive and their share of the market's gone down and they're needing a bit of attention and that's why they've released these figures. Just Because, look, two people now out of us four have looked up their website. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's You fools! You've fallen into their trap! It it's magic. <laughs> We're not, neither of us are going to shop from them, are we? Actually, laziness stuff is too. They need to find a, a lazier way to make meals than that. You know, there are too many stages involved in their meal preparation for me. <laughs> well, I think I think we've gained a very clear insight into to Julie, at least's kitchen mindset. Lazy slut is my favourite phrase of the show so far. Let's begin our vegan weekly news tour now across the world. We've, we started with a couple of UK centric stories, but from here on in, we're going to be travelling the world. Josie, give us a global headline to start us off. Okay, so from ANI News. Nearly 60% of Indians want to try vegan. Yeah, whopping numbers there. So this yeah. is this is from a recent YouGov survey. Reports that when over 2,000 participants across India were asked, 59% of respondents expressed a strong likelihood of considering a vegan diet in the near future. The survey had more data. So 74% of respondents believe that a vegan diet is good for overall health. 73% believe it helps stop animal exploitation. I'm interested as to what the other 27% believes it will do with regards to animal exploitation, but perhaps we'll get onto that. Uh, 72% said that it was good for the environment. 62% said that they felt it was an easy lifestyle to maintain. And 55% say it does not compromise on taste. We don't know whether they've tried Gusto's uh, plant-based meal boxes, though. Now, our research from Statista.com suggests that in 2021, an estimated 24% of people in India were vegetarian. So arguably, um, as a country, they're in a better starting point to, to help people become vegan or, or, or maybe not. It, people could be more entrenched in their vegetarianism, perhaps. But, but nonetheless, really encouraging numbers. Perhaps the, the big question is whether these words will translate into action. Like Josie, what was your initial thought when you, when you saw this story, these, these numbers? I think it's good. I mean, I really like stories like this because I think it gives vegans hope. And seeing numbers like that from the UK or America would be a bit different. Like you said, India is probably a bit more vegan ready with the higher vegetarian population. But I don't know, I think it can be quite easy to hear all the bad stuff that's happening to animals and, and all that. And that's actually quite good news. But I don't know what will become of it because it's, it's quite easy to say yeah, it's a good idea. I'd, I'd try vegan, but they'll actually do it. I don't know. That's a different story. So there's a bit of me which feels really sad about this because, um, I mean, I went, I was in India like 40 years ago, showing my age now. It's 
historically such a plant-based country. I mean, they are the home of all the spices, the beans and lentils and whole grains and super-duper healthy foods, super-duper so tasty and wonderful. They could make cardboard taste amazing, I think. And yet, and when I was there, there was no McDonald's. No McDonald's at all. And now they have become just like us in that they're eating our rubbish Western diet, which is making them all sick, just like us. So Mm. in a sense, if, yes, look, people are thinking of going back, it's going back to what they're they're used to. Um, That's great. But I just think it's really sad that they've, they've become like us in a way. Yeah, yeah. Still, that's a lot of people, isn't it? Like my maths made that 826 million vegans. If they all followed through, if that 59% was across the country and they all followed through with it, that's that's a lot of people, isn't it? I'm trying to put a positive spin. <laughs> no one else is feeling it apart from Josie. That's fine. <laughs> yes. I, I, yes, I, I totally agree. Yeah, it is a positive thing. I'm just, okay, so I'm just a bit sad that they've gone backwards in a sense. And they're just, hopefully, they're going to come yeah. back to this brilliant way of eating that is going to help the animals. Question here, though, is they're saying, you know, a high percentage of the population are eating a vegan diet. That doesn't make them vegans necessarily. What else are they doing the rest of the time? You know, are there lots of experiments happening on animals? Are there animals being used and abused in lots of other ways, being beasts of burden? You know, all of that, you know, it's not just about the diet, as we all know. You know, what what really, what are they doing in terms of their relationship with animals? I would be interested to know that. Yes, not having so many animals consumed is a great thing, but overall, what what other things are they doing with animals? Yeah, I do wonder why it says, well, 73% believe it helps stop animal exploitation. That can't be a new thing. I think most people must know that um, that meat and dairy and eggs involve some sort of animal cruelty. So I wonder if, I just wonder why they bothered to ask them that. I mean, people must know that. And people also know that it is good for the environment to be vegan. I don't think that's a secret. So mm. I wondered whether, because I think this survey, it's it's been done by YouGov, but there's been a lot of pairing with uh, Veganuary India in the story. I don't know whether Veganuary India asked YouGov to do a story and maybe they're using it as an opportunity to educate people. So if they didn't know these things, they kind of put a question saying, oh, do you think that being vegan helps stop animal exploitation? It might kind of plant the seed. I don't know, but I agree with you. It's a bit bit of an odd question. Let's move on. A a story came out this week saying that in New Zealand, less than 1% of people identified as vegan and perhaps... This next story will reveal why. Can a salad burger cut it as a meatless option? McDonald's New Zealand gives it a try. So, the McSalad burger, more of an omission than an addition to McDonald's menu, is just a pattyless version of a traditional burger. Kind of like a non-burger, isn't it? <laughs> as standard, it features basic ingredients such as lettuce, tomato, cheese and pickles with McChicken sauce. So it's vegetarian rather than vegan, although it sounds like you could go more, even more sparse and order without the cheese or sauce or possibly make it vegan, although we don't know that for sure. So 
Is this the lowest of the low in meatless options or a sign of progress? Kate, would, would you order the McSalad burger without cheese and without sauce? Is it tempting you? <laughs> in a word, no. Oh, <laughs> but it will make loads of people go vegan, surely. Surely McDonald's mm. will receive a message that people don't... Well, no, you're not feeling it. No, it's like the bad old days, isn't it? You know, when you'd go out and you'd say, oh, can, can I... You'd have to explain how... how, how what, what a vegan is. And, uh, and then you'd come out with a bit of lettuce and a tomato, you know. Oh God, it's pathetic, isn't it? Would, would um, anyone, would any of us here order it? It's okay. You can be brave. You can be honest. Definitely not. No, why not? Why would they even have this when there's so many good meat substitutes out there that aren't even that expensive mm. and they just fill a bit of bread with salad? That's just what people think vegans eat anyway. It's just, it's not helpful for vegans in general or the, the vegan message. Put people off going vegan. I was going to say, apparently it's okay, though, because there's some burger joints down the road that do sell vegan options. So let's just go there instead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do we genuinely think that there could be somebody in like McDonald's, New Zealand, who is wanting to have a pop at vegans and like make this uh, an option? Because it, it really does like undermine, I think, the, the, the possibilities that you can have whilst, whilst following a vegan diet. It just seems like a sabotage sort of thing to me. I know it sounds like a, a conspiracy theory. It doesn't to me. It sounds like a salad roll. I eat them quite a lot. I really <laughs> enjoy them. It's all good. I would not go to McDonald's um, unless I was really desperate. I've never been that desperate in my life. But it's a salad roll. It's all fine. Yeah. But, how, yeah. but how do you know the, the bun is vegan? There's no even guarantee that the bun's vegan. It might have milk in it, Julie. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I say, I would not. It will have all kinds of nefarious substances in it. We're talking about McDonald's. <laughs> the chips have got sugar in them. I would not eat there. But in general, on principle, it is a salad roll. And shout out to salad rolls. Well, Perfectly viable awesome. option when you're hungry. Definitely. I'm actually going to try that now. Not 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 the McDonald's one. I'm going to try it in 2024, Julie. I will try a salad roll for you there. Yeah. I've, I've said it. I just think that if McDonald's can't roll out flipping vegan burgers around the whole world, then anything they claim about caring for the environment is absolute greenwashing and rubbish. So, you well, know. Well, no surprises there. No surprises there. <laughs> Yeah. Right, let's let's move on if we're happy to. So we we jest as to how uh, depressing this burger is, and unless you're Julie, who who is definitely uh, <laughs> shouting out for the salad roll. Um, but on a more sombre note, we do have some really sad news uh, from Mexico now, Julie. Yes, from Bracknell News, Mexico Supreme Court lifts 2022 bullfighting ban. So the 2022 ban on bullfighting in Mexico City was overturned on Wednesday, opening the way for events to resume. A panel of five justices voted to overturn a May 2022 injunction that bullfights violated city residents' rights to a healthy environment free from violence. 
The justices did not explain their arguments for overturning the ban, but bullfight organisers said that it violated their right to continue the tradition. The capital had a history of almost 500 years of bullfighting, but there had been no fights since the 2022 injunction. Now, there are critics of this latest change in the law. City councillor Jorge Gavino said, Animals are not things. They are living beings with feelings, and these living, feeling beings deserve protection under the constitution of Mexico City. Bullfight organisers, however, say that it's a question of rights. This is not an animal welfare issue. This is an issue of freedoms and how justice is applied to the rest of the public, said Jose Sabore, the director of the Mexican Association of Bullfighting. A small sector of the population wants to impose its moral outlook and I think there is room for all of us in this world in a regulated way. Now, since 2013, several of Mexico's 32 states have banned bullfights. Brazil, Argentina, Chile and Uruguay have also completely banned bullfighting. Really sad news, this one. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And like, shout out to the the city councillor who's, I mean, we don't know whether he's vegan or not, or I, how how he views the world. But like the the thing of saying animals are not things, they're living being with with feeling. A- a- absolutely right, and really sad this has been been overturned. It's just really sad. Mm. I think we should be going forwards, not backwards. You don't expect to hear things like that anymore i mean i think i just think it's really sad yeah and the people that have allowed it again i mean if they banned it in 2022 they must know that it's cruel in order to have banned it and then decided to unban it for reasons they couldn't explain it's just doesn't make sense Mm, it was quite a small panel of people wasn't it it was five Mm. five justices so it, it just makes you think they've they've had uh a little swift bribe or something like that or a bit of lobbying in 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 the car park or something to to make it overturned because like you say Josie it's un, it's unusual that once these practices get banned that it it then goes the other way although we've kind of we've kind of seen that with fox hunting haven't we actually yeah. in that yeah. there's been been backlash and that's been a bit of a yo-yo issue in in this country the word tradition so many terrible things happen because of that, don't we? That word and hanging, drawing and quartering was a tradition in this country once upon a time, but we don't still do it, thank goodness. We have evolved. So you just got to hope, really, that this gets overturned again. It, it, I thought it was quite interesting that the director of the Mexican Association of Bullfighting said a small sector of the population wants to impose its moral outlook. I mean, that's surely what the people who are doing the bullfighting are doing. It's Mm. a small section of the population Mm. who are imposing their moral outlook, which then completely devastates the lives of Mm. of innocent, sentient beings. It's it's remarkable sometimes how how people say things that are actually describing themselves. But obviously, we hope to soon be reporting that the the ban comes back into place as as soon as possible. Well, I would just say that if the sector of the population is any smaller than the panel of five justices, I'll be very much surprised. (laughs) And also, just because something is not banned anymore, hopefully it will not prevent the people who care about this issue 
voting with their feet and not attending bullfights and boycotting them and if they go on demonstrating at them and actually causing a bit of a stink. So let's hope for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely well said. Right, let's find a more positive story. Josie, have you got a, got a more positive sounding headline in there somewhere? Yes. How about this one from scmp.com? China opens world's tallest unmanned veggie farm. Yeah. So, I mean, Julie's going to be delighted. There's going to be acres and acres of salad rolls in there. Uh, This is the news that Chinese scientists have put the world's tallest unmanned vertical farm into operation in the southwestern province of Sichuan in response to the Chinese president's call to reinforce the nation's food security through tech innovation. So this 20-story urban farm enables year-round continuous food production. Vertical farms like these can operate anywhere from urban settings to deserts, offering significant advantages in providing stable food supplies to areas where traditional farming is not possible. Some of the cutting-edge technologies include autonomously bred crop varieties, vertical three-dimensional cultivation system, an automatic nutrient supply system, energy-efficient artificial lighting emulating natural conditions and an AI-based control system to ensure stable production within vertical spaces. Now, scientists have said that the produce grown in the vertical farm is just as nutritious as that grown on farmland. Uh, It's not all good news from a vegan perspective, however. China has also built high-rise pig farms recently in places such as Hubei province and grown rice in the salt deserts of Xinjiang, nothing wrong with that. But they've also uh, pioneered seawater aqua farming with freshwater fish, king prawn, abalone and lobsters grown at a fishery on the edge of the desert. So mixed, mixed stories in the last few years, but this more recent one sounds a, a bit more positive. Josie, would you be up for trying some vertically farmed veg? I'm assuming vertically farmed vegetables taste the same as horizontally farmed vegetables. So I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I just picture them looking completely different. So like really tall tomatoes. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's me. Like, would, would you have any concerns? Like it's a different, it's a different technique. Like sometimes people can be sceptical about these things. I honestly don't think so. No, I think, I think I'd be all right with it. I mean, they'd probably look the same as well. So be all right. You'd think so. For it to be viable, I, w- I would have thought. Yeah. But plants have feelings. We can't be factory farming plants. Can we? No. (laughs) In skyscrapers too. I'm Um, seeing an unholy alliance here where we could have Gusto going into cahoots with the vertical (laughs) grow vertical vegetables thing, you know, and just make it completely fake from start to finish. (laughs) (laughs) That would cut their margins down a bit. Yeah, it would. Do do you have any scepticism towards vertically farmed veg then Julie or are you are you just are you just being sardonic about the whole thing um it it could have its possibilities I suppose if maybe for people even themselves living in very built up areas if they wanted to grow their own vegetables if there's a way of doing it you know and they don't have room for an allotment or whatever there might be something you could translate from this that that might be of use over here i don't know but um and i would eat them yeah I would try them, definitely, yeah. I, I remember having a, a conversation with a, a sheep farmer um, in, a, in an interview for local radio 
and um, he floored me with a point. I was really cross with myself afterwards. Um, but he was saying, "This land here, it can't be can't be used for anything else. The only thing, the only food that could be produced here, is is lamb." And kind of, you know, I'm not a farmer. I'm not a agriculture person so I, I didn't have a ready answer I was really cross I, I now know lots of things I could have said but I think like vertical farming like this is kind of one response to that isn't it in that we can potentially if if we really can't um, have arable crops growing on every corner of the globe well actually this is quite an efficient way of doing so in a, in a small patch of land you can you can literally grow upwards but we now know that um, if the world went vegan, we could be rewilding the majority of the planet. Yeah. And we don't need to be growing on those. We can give them back to the wild. We can give them back to wildlife. Yeah. But I have to say, I do have some misgivings about this. You know, okay for a McDonald's uh, salad burger. We we apparently, we only have, I can't remember how many harvests left in our soils because we've depleted them so badly by spraying them and all the rest. Is it like 40 or something, something crazy and scary like that so we may have to be farming this way in the future and plus climate change and and stuff we may have to but um Mm -hmm. i can't help thinking that these plants can't be getting everything they need okay so they're getting their basic phosphorus and all the rest of it plants are so complex the soil is so complex we don't understand the half of it um, all the different microorganisms in the soil are feeding back to the plants um, and the plants are creating all these amazing phytonutrients so we don't even know half them hundreds and hundreds and thousands and I just wonder if and, and some of them are there because they're getting attacked by predators or the sun and they're creating all these phytonutrients that are like protecting the plants from carcinogens and what have you and we eat them and then we're protected so I just can't help thinking that it's kind of fast food plants in a way and and it would be much better if we could just grow veganically you know Mm. um, and get our plants all covered in dirt and they'd just be much healthier yeah like I say maybe we will have to be growing this way in the future yeah but like you say there's a there's a lot that's not known yet and actually in a sense the the only way to find out these things is is to try it isn't it Mm. you know we can do long-term studies but only once people have been eating that way for a long time let's move from Chinese tech developments to happenings from US laboratories that are getting a bit of an expose this week. Kate? Yes, from peter.org, there's a new website that lets taxpayers discover severe animal neglect in Virginia laboratories. So a new Peter website exposes the violations of federal, federal animal welfare laws at publicly funded universities in Virginia. By obtaining and poring over federal reports and documents, Peter has created a repository of information about Virginia's largest public universities, which receive millions in taxpayer dollars every year, despite critical and repeated violations of the most basic requirements of federal animal welfare laws. The new website includes sections on the University of Virginia, Virginia Commonwealth University and Virginia Tech. Peter, Senior Vice President of Cruelty Investigations, said, With public money, Virginia Tech 
bought and experimented on beagles from Envigo for years before Peter exposed chronic neglect, deprivation and death at Envigo's dog prison, which eventually closed down. Virginians have the right to know who their public universities can find and experiment on for what purported purpose and how they fare. It's got to be good news having this information put out there and highlighted, hasn't it? I would say so it does it does make me think of when like the Daily Mail has like printed lists of where sex offenders live just to be really vindictive but then I suppose if they believe in that that's that's fine and like this is a similar thing it's like pointing pointing out bad stuff that's happened isn't it No I think it's I think it's good that they're being exposed for it I mean it's horrible but the amount of labs and farms that are going to be treating animals like this and nobody knows about it so they just keep doing it there's got to be so many so at least this one's been found and maybe they won't be able to do it again yeah that, i mean the thing that stood out for me the most was the amounts of money that that these institutions are receiving like millions and mil- tens of millions of of dollars in in state funds and federal funds um and then they're using it to to do these horrific acts or acts we would see as uh, horrific anyway how would you use this data then like is it something that you i don't know share on facebook and and show show your facebook friends like oh look there's this website that exposes this obviously if we lived in virginia usa this is would, would you do that or like is it is it just something that sits there and people can access it i'm kind of struggling to see I, though it's good that i think it's been made i'm struggling to see what the point of it is beyond that because it, it relies on other people to shout about it doesn't it it might help people choose what university they go to attend and then quite a lot of people um i think you know if they're leaving money in their will they might leave it to the university they attended if they got a good job out of their education there so it might expose the real baddies and w- people will withdraw their support you know, of particular universities. I don't know how many of them will actually not be guilty in that case, because I think most of them, if not all of them, support some kind of experimentation and research Mm. on animals. And hopefully it will also open up the conversation not to, well, how can we do this research in a kinder and less cruel way, but how can we just get rid of it altogether and just not do it, just not have it? Because that's the danger sometimes when cruelty is exposed and people go, oh, isn't that awful? Then they try and find a, a seemingly kinder mm. way to do the same thing. That's not really what we're after here, mm-hmm. is it? It would be interesting in the earlier this year, it was um, no longer mandatory for American pharmaceuticals to be tested on animals. Now, I'm assuming all of this money that's been given to various universities has been kind of tied up in projects that they're saying, all right, we'll give you this much money if you do this project. But actually, as those projects come to an end and subsequent ones don't need to be tested on animals, will will that change the direction of these things or not? I guess guess we'll just have to see. Hopefully people will look at the candidates for election locally and see what their stance is on and whether or not they support um, the animal experimentation within these places and vote accordingly hopefully that that might be one thing at least 
yeah um, absolutely it's good to have the data out there isn't it yeah. like that's 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 the starting point but it's it's probably not the only thing you no. kind of need to build on it don't you i was gonna say i guess a lot of the students and staff at those universities have no idea what's going on either actually to be honest and perhaps there'll mm. be some sort of pressure that they can bring to bear on on from the inside who knows who knows what, what will happen but to have the information out there i think is a good thing really yeah agreed agreed well let's let's move on now let's move on to something completely different something geographically quite close to myself a theater near me in gloucestershire from gloucestershire live song removed from mother goose panto after vegan backlash so a completely different story one performance of this year's everyman theater pantomime in cheltenham mother goose involved a musical number saying that the G in vegan stands for gassy, while the A stands for either anemic or annoying. After receiving complaints, can you believe it? Somebody complained about this from someone in the crowd and complaints on social media about the alleged anti-vegan song, with some questioning whether the same types of jokes about veganism would be made about religious minorities. The showrunner said that they would remove the song from Mother Goose going forward. Now, a girl in the crowd who is vegan said that after going to see the performance with her school, other children started singing the vegan panto song at her. According to the child's father, who spoke to Gloucestershire Live, she said, why did the actors think it's okay to be horrible to kids like me who just want to be kind to the animals and not eat them? The concerned parent of the child that was ridiculed thought the humour was cheap. He said, I must admit, it did seem quite unnecessary to have a whole song at the end of the panto dedicated to spiteful jibes towards vegans, as entertaining as it was for a certain section of the audience. To make matters worse, she's even had some children singing that vegan panto song at her in school today. As a parent, my Christmas wish is that those responsible for the production would think for a moment about the real harm that this will cause to more children at what should be a joyous experience for all. There's often a fine line between humour and bullying, and I'm afraid our experience is that the good people of the Everyman Theatre have found themselves firmly on the wrong side of the line on this occasion. Juicy story. Right, who wants who wants to go first? Come on, get stuck in. What um what were the other letters standing for? Know. We only know about the 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 G and the A, don't we? And we don't even know if it was anemic or annoying. I mean, come on. I know. Have you got some what, suggestions? What else <laughs> find what else did they find? I've looked everywhere. I can't find it. Unsurprisingly, it's not on YouTube. It's not on social media. I really want oh. to hear the song. I want to hear the song too. Um, it can be our new theme tune. Well. Yeah. Does that does it annoy anyone? Is it? Fun? I mean, it's obviously. I don't think any of us would argue that it's it's not great that someone's been bullied because I, of it. I do think it's strange that it's in the show at all. I I mean, I've not seen the show, but I'm really confused as to how that could be relevant to anything. But and vegans do often have the uh, impression that we can't take a joke or that you know we take everything too seriously, and. I think the fact that this is a maybe slightly rude song would just, I don't know, reinforce the idea that, you know, we'll find it offensive. But I just think it's really weird. And why, just why? That's my question. 
<laughs> I know. It's, it seems really unprovoked. I mean, I'm assuming that like the person who decided this song was going to be included has got some beef with vegans, like some vegans have been really mean to them yeah. or something like that. Because otherwise it seems really spiteful, doesn't it? Just let's pick on a group of the population and just be really mean to them at the end of a show. Absolutely. I don't know. But the thing is, our belief, it is a belief and, you know, and, 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 yeah. and one that is held really tight because we care about the animals and um, it's an ethical belief upheld in law they shouldn't be doing it so initially I was very very cross and um but then um then I thought hang on a minute a whole song in a panto all about veganism wow we're we're making it (laughs) you know I think we can aim higher than this I think this is not the pinnacle of veganism I think so too can I just say though that I have delivered care in some shape or form either professionally as a volunteer or as a family member for 37 years and the majority of the time to people who eat meat and in some cases a lot of it and I have been party to all kinds of things that are produced by the human body as a result of my experience. And I have looked after many gassy, (laughs) anemic and annoying carnists in my time. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great point. I was just going to say that pantomimes are aimed at kids and you can sort of understand why people grow up with views like this about vegans and about certain people in general when they're being taught this sort of stuff and taught that thinking this and saying this kind of thing is okay and you can just understand why they'd think that because that's all they've ever known isn't it yeah it's 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 really off like i think it's really bad well it's a smokescreen because these people are trying to embarrass us and turn the spotlight on us so that they don't feel their own shame at how they eat and live their life. I think I think this song was probably written by a part-time beef farmer or something, you know. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I do think it's really cynical or they, they have no idea because, you know, that Panto is, is mainly for kids, isn't it? And the kids are going to be inheriting this mess that we're leaving this planet that is being so damaged by animal agriculture it completely the wrong message we should be empowering kids really not not making fun of vegan kids who are trying to do the right thing so yeah it's it it seems really odd I, i i wonder if um I really want to know more about this story. I, re- I mean, it's it's quite local to me, so maybe I'll just turn up and uh, start poking my nose around. But I, I I kind of feel like I want to know who's written the song. I want to know what the song was and whether they considered that there would actually be vegan children in the audience. Because I don't know whether I'm not I'm not trying to defend it, but like if if you think that your target target of the joke is woke people in their late twenties living in Brighton. That that's quite a safe target if if you're doing a pantomime in in Cheltenham, isn't it? And and kind of it's it's like an audience that can take it because adults can you know defend themselves a bit better. Mm. I don't. I really would hope that the author of the of the song had overlooked the fact that there might be vegan children in the audience because if not, that's really sick mm. and twisted, isn't it? Like that's that's a bit much. Very emotive topic there. We are going to finish our news section with a couple more scientific discussions, though, starting with this one from Julie. 
Yes, from ProVeg Netherlands, how healthy are meat substitutes? So, according to this study, meat substitutes are often healthier than their traditional meaty counterparts. The report was released by ProVeg Netherlands and took 130 meat substitutes available in Dutch supermarkets and compared them with 41 animal reference products. The products studied were minced meat, burgers, meatballs, chicken pieces, chicken fillet, schnitzel, nuggets, sausage, bacon and shawawa. Vegetable burgers, tofu, tempeh and seitan were omitted because there is no direct animal equivalent. Overall, the authors found that the plant-based products contained less saturated fat, fewer calories and significantly more dietary fibre and had a similar percentage of calories from protein. A third of the meat substitutes examined successfully met all of the criteria outlined by the Nutrition Centre for Meat Substitutes concerning the risk of lifestyle diseases, including salt, sugar and saturated fat content. In contrast, a mere 17% of the animal reference products met these criteria. So, vegan nuggets all round then. I think it's absolutely brilliant news because it's one of the things chucked at us. Oh, those vegan products are over, over-processed rubbish full of salt and sugar and goodness knows what. And um, actually, when you make the direct comparison, they are healthier than the meat products, you know, and that's not even considering the fact that, you know, Processed meat is like a class one carcinogen, you know, red meat, a class two carcinogen anyway, and all the other things that are wrong with meat and the saturated fat and all the rest of it. So I think it's absolutely brilliant because it means that people can make a they can make a direct transition to a non-meat product and feel really good about it. Um, that they're making the healthier choice. So I think it's absolutely fantastic. Do, do you think we should use the word healthier though? Because I, I agree with what you're saying in relative terms, it's is, is better off. But I, I don't know, like, should we be saying that they're healthy? Because I, I think that surely it's the case that some are just less unhealthy as, as processed options. And I don't know whether... I don't know. It's it's harsh because we've 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 got to get things so spot on as vegans because otherwise people just jump on us, don't they? But like, I don't know whether I'd use the word healthy personally. Healthier, healthier. less unhealthy, okay, less unhealthy. So, no, no, no. Healthier, <laughs> healthier. Because you know, otherwise, it, compared to the meat, they are healthier. And if people are going to carry on eating meat their entire lives, they're setting themselves up they're more likely to get a whole load of diseases and they are less likely to get them with the with the vegan uh, meat alternatives. So I healthier. Okay, so they're not the most healthy, but, you know, it's and still a good move. And then when they reach price parity, great. You know, but it's also easy to make the switch. We're not necessarily talking so. about fast food products here. So, okay, vegetable burgers might have some kind of, you know, additives or E-numbers or stuff in them, 
But tofu, you can mm. buy completely plain tofu. There's nothing much unhealthy about that. And tempeh is a fermented food. So these are not, they're not just fast food things in cardboard packages and plastic trays we're talking about. They are talking about, um, oh no, they were they were omitted. I've just seen that. I'm sorry. Those things yeah. were not in there. Yeah, that's what I but mean. But they haven't told us really what the so-called, I mean, I don't call anything a meat substitute because meat is not missing from my life anyway. But we don't really know what they were looking at in that case you know what no no i i mean we can assume can't we now i don't know about other vegans but i'm not too fussed about the meat substitutes or whatever you want to call them being massively healthy because well i'm not vegan for health and i'm i'm not like unhealthy but i don't eat things like vegan burgers every day it's just a treat every now and again and I'm, I've never really wondered how good it is for me because, I mean, I try and have a balanced diet. So when I do have things like burgers or hot dogs or whatever, fast food and stuff like that, I'm never really thinking, is this good for me? Even though it might be ever so slightly healthier than the meat, the meat one. Yeah. I, my perspective is it's just got to be not worse. Like if it's not worth, and I mean, personally, if even if it was slightly less healthy to be vegan, I'd still be vegan. But like, if just as a baseline, like we're saying, well, it's it's no worse. That's that's good enough. So like studies like this are just a bonus as far as I'm concerned, because it's like, oh, look, <laughs> it's 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 less bad for you. Hooray. Yeah, vegans, vegans are not doing this for health reasons anyway. Vegans are doing it for the animals, but vegans are hoping that the plant-based people who are a bit concerned with themselves and their own health more than animals, um, try not to sound judgmental there, will be attracted to reducing their animal consumption. So I, I am pleased on their behalf. But again, it doesn't bother me because A, I don't eat meat substitutes and B, my health is not as important to me as having a clear conscience that I'm not contributing to animal abuse i i am vegan for uh, my health for the animals and for the environment all of them equally because i mean i i have recovered from a horrible horrible chronic disease maybe that gives me compassion towards the animals as well i don't know but i just feel that uh for me as I'm cracking on a bit, I want to be my best self, my healthiest self, so that I can be a good advocate for the animals. Because knowing a lot of older people, if they they see unhealthy vegans, they are not going to change. And I think there'll be a lot of people like that. So it pleases me enormously that these so-called unhealthy products are in fact much healthier than the the meat alternatives. So I think it's just a massive win for for everybody. So there is no argument. Just have the plant-based burger. <laughs> you know, it's just there, right next to the meat burger. It looks the same, tastes the same, eat it. Here we are. <laughs> Good, good bit of marketing there, Kate. They'll they'll have you on their uh, audio adverts. Right, let's let's move on to our last story now, and this one is going to form the basis of our main discussion for the week. So this is from WIO News: Vegan diet behind troubled pregnancy. Here's what researchers think. 
According to researchers, more than 90% of women who have been trying to conceive a baby have marginal or low levels of vitamins, which are important for a healthy pregnancy. And the problem is worsening with the growing popularity of vegetarian diets. The tests were carried out on more than 1,700 women in Singapore, New Zealand and the United Kingdom who have been planning to conceive. In these tests, it was found that most of them were lacking nutrients, which are found in abundance in dairy and meat products and are important for healthy development of fetus. We were surprised at how common low or marginal status was for these micronutrients, said Professor Keith Godfrey, who is the lead author of the study at the University of Southampton and an epidemiologist. For the individual, the simple answer is that unless you're following a really high quality diet, you may need to consider taking a supplement, he added, as reported by The Guardian. Now, the women who were between the age group of 18 to 38 were included in the NIPA study, which is an international trial that has been exploring whether combinations of nutrients as well as probiotics taken before and during pregnancy help in improving the health of babies and their mothers. The blood levels of vital nutrients were measured by doctors after the women were recruited and then they were randomly assigned to either a standard vitamin supplement for pregnant women which contains folic acid, beta-carotene, iron, calcium and iodine and an enhanced version which contained additional riboflavin, vitamins B6, B12 and D, probiotics, zinc, and myo-inositol, which is a form of sugar. Now, according to reports in PLOS Medicine, before conceiving, marginal or low levels of folate, riboflavin, vitamin B12 or vitamin D were found in 9 out of 10 women and many suffered from vitamin B6 deficiency in late pregnancy. The supplements were found to improve vitamin levels in women, although not always to sufficient levels. More work needs to be done to identify the ideal quantities, but certainly the amounts we gave, which you can purchase over the counter at the chemist, were sufficient to substantially reduce the prevalence of deficiency, said Godfrey. Now, some of you might be feeling worried about this, or maybe you're feeling really cross and shouting out your protests aloud as we speak. We're, we're going to pause there for a second. We're going to res resume the discussion after the break because we've now reached 10 news stories and myself, Josie, Kate and Julie, we need a quick gargle before we launch into this one. But before we do have a break, a question to the Enough of the Falafel community out there listening. What are your thoughts on this week's news stories so far? Will you be sending Cheltenham's Everyman Theatre your own anti carnist song? Is the latest data from Veganuary India about the proportion of the population ready to try a plant-based diet the best news all year for the vegan movement? And who's felt inspired to whip up their own homemade version of the McSalad burger for dinner tonight? Definitely Julie, that's for sure. Is there anything we've missed or in fact got completely wrong? Let us know your opinions. Indeed, we'd love to hear from you. And just a reminder, if you spot news articles or articles that you think would catch our interest, get in touch with us by email at enoughofthefalafel at gmail.com. We're also at Enough of the Falafel on Facebook, Instagram or TikTok, where you can get little sneak previews on the news we're covering in each episode. Give us a follow. What's the worst that could happen? This show is kindly sponsored by our friends at Fire & Flow Coffee Roasters. 
And they're such great people. They're offering all enough of the Falafel listeners a cheeky 10% off orders on their online store when using the code FALAFEL10. That's FALAFEL, the number 10. Fire and Flow, a specialty coffee roastery based in the Cotswold with a fully vegan coffee shop on site. Yeah, they're a vegan-founded company too. They're run by three friends, Shah, Callum and Phil, and they specialise in roasting and supplying wholesale coffee beans to coffee shops, restaurants, hotels and offices. For the wholesale part of their operations, they work with other businesses to help them get the most out of their coffee offering, with free barista training and full technical support included. The products themselves are the result of their passion for working with skilled and ethical-minded farmers who produce the highest quality beans. Fire and Flow then roast them to perfection in small batches at their roastery in Sirencester, which you can visit at any time book onto one of their barista courses or roastery tours via their website fireandflowcoffee.co.uk While you're there you can check out the beautiful fully vegan coffee shop on site. I've been there myself it's absolutely brilliant and it's open 7 days a week from 9 till 3. The last time I went it was a Sunday afternoon. It was glorious it's just a fab place to hang out and feel good about life Give them a follow on Instagram to get the latest at fireandflowcoffee And for those online orders, remember the code exclusively for our brilliant Enough of the Falafel community. That is Falafel10. 10 is 1 and 0. So Falafel10. Okay, let's get stuck into this week's main discussion topic then. So we're trying to answer the question, does a vegan diet cause difficulties in pregnancy? So we'll use this WIO news article that we previously heard before the break as a starting point. Does anyone want to jump in straight away and give their responses to this story? Like, is it freaking us out? Are we getting worried? Are we really cross? Is it misrepresenting things? What do we think? Made me quite cross, I have to say. I just think when you're pregnant and whether you're vegan or not, everybody's got an opinion on what's the right thing to do, what's not the right thing to do. And I just think, oh, coming up to Christmas time as well, any young parents who are a vegan and wanting to go through a vegan pregnancy, you know, um, how are they going to feel about this? It's, it's, I'm wondering, is it the meat industry, you know, kind of, hey, how can we make people feel really uncomfortable? Oh, Christmas is coming up, you know, peer pressure and families, they're going to have a real go at them, aren't they? <laughs> hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Well, was there anything in the study that you kind of took objection to, Kate, or is it just the timing of of this story that you're oh no I think the whole study you know it's um apparently they they didn't look at vegans or non-vegans what people were eating at all did they as far Mm. as I know you know so how how they could possibly extrapolate and I mean they said didn't they say 90% of women were not getting enough supplements are 90% how many people in the study again I've forgotten so a 90% of them, was it, it was a lot, wasn't it? 1,700, yeah. Right, so 90% of them were vegans, were they, in this study? No, we don't no. know, we have no idea. So, you know, how, how, can they, how can they come out with these headlines? Well, actually, they didn't say anything about vegans. They said the problem is worsening with the growing popularity of vegetarian diets. They didn't say anything about vegans in the first place, but 
two things there. There is no cause and effect necessarily. Mm -hmm. The two facts, there mm -hmm. could be a worsening problem with nutritional status in, in pregnant women and there could be a growth in vegetarianism, but the two things need not be linked directly. Um, mm -hmm. It is a known fact that women are all advised to take a supplement prior to conceiving because across the board, as a population, we are short of um, certain nutrients. Iodine is a big one that we're short of, and that's really important for a healthy pregnancy. And the reason that we have less iodine is that we have less in our soils per se, just all together. Mm -hmm. And that's to do with changes in the weather, and that's to do with farming practices. So yes, across the board, I think we all need to be a bit mindful of our nutrition. And we can't rely sometimes, we're told, on, you know, sources from natural foods for every stage of life. We might have additional needs at certain times. Um, but that's got nothing to do with whether you're vegan, vegetarian or otherwise. That's just across mm. the board. Our soils are not what they used to be. And the way we eat is not how it used to be either. So that's the first thing I would say there. Can I ask, um, what was your reaction when you sort of first read this story? Like, does it set alarm bells off or you just feel cross at an, an anti-vegan story? Yeah, I mean, I just think it's like provoking unnecessary fear around this around the subject because um pregnancy's got to be a scary time you know you're not just looking after your own health you're looking after a baby's health and then you see articles like this that are telling you that if you do this then it's going to be bad for you and bad for the baby and I can see why people would believe it because I mean you just want to do what's right for the baby mm. yeah I just I don't see why they'd publish something like this without proper evidence it's just mm. it's it's not right really. And do you don't think it's quite mm. ironic that some of the foods that people are warned off in pregnancy happen to be particularly non-vegan items because mm. of the risk of food poisoning and listeria mm. and all the rest of it. So, you know, um, mold, the cheeses that are made with mold, for example, and certain fish products and certain chicken products and all of those, they are the things that are scary for um, pregnant women to be ingesting. Yeah, they're not saying anything about those though, are they? No, absolutely. I mean, it, I'm fairly happy to kind of write this story off as actually just quite a biased outlier and, and actually nothing to necessarily be concerned by fr from a scientific point of view, because I think like like you were saying, Julie, like it's that they're conflating two things. They're putting two things together, but not actually saying that one causes the other. But, because you you could say, well, this rise in deficiencies is um, is linked to climate change because climate change is happening at the moment or, you know, the, the cost of product X is going up at the moment. Like it, they're not related. But I mean, it does it does at least get the the discussion going doesn't it about quite an emotive topic so i don't think there's a massive cause for concern in terms of health well not based on this study anyway because like with any diet you can do it right or you can do it wrong and you could be a really unhealthy vegan or you could be a really healthy vegan and it's not related to veganism but i i would say the bigger concern with this study would be the impact it has on animals so the amount of people that might be put off be 
be put off going vegan when pregnant or in general because of health implications and it's just spreading misinformation like this is really not doing the animals or the environment or veganism any good at all. Um, I'd like to know who really is behind this study because you know it's like the cigarette industry isn't it you know they 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 um famously somebody wrote in a memo you know doubt is um our product and you if you're putting the doubt in there out there parents uh friends you know they're going to be like oh are you really doing the right thing you know and and uh, you know i have heard of a few people who have gone back to eating meat and dairy you know when they're pregnant because they're they're scared so yeah i i just think it's a really a really sad thing but the thing is we can all educate ourselves can't we and i think that's the thing to do educate there's there's um i have a shout out to plant-based health professionals uk who've got loads of resources on pre-pregnancy and pregnancy and children and diets and health and uh, go and look at all their stuff if you're at all worried there is a some really great books about feeding your vegan children as well out there one by Sandra Hood who's the she's from the vegan society Brenda Davis uh, who's written a great book Nourish as well there's loads of good info about healthy vegan pregnancies so just just for our own well for 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 our own feeling of well-being that you're doing the right thing for your baby and then you can answer all those questions when everybody else who in your family at christmas starts having a go at you yeah yeah <laughs> so. absolutely that, um, there's a couple couple points that you mentioned there Kate that I'd like to come back to so in terms of who's behind it I've just looked up hmm. um professor Go- professor Keith Godfrey um who was the lead author university of southampton it looks like he's just a, a, a physician. He's got all sorts of qualifications in in medicine, pediatrics, and stuff like that. It's it's not like he's sponsored by the dairy industry or anything like that. That's not to say that there hasn't been funding stuff in there, right. but it looks above board. But I suppose we all have mm. our our own personal biases and and, and things like that. And then the other thing that you said that I'd, I'd be interested in everyone's opinion on is you, you mentioned people who at the time of of being pregnant despite being vegan then feel like insecure about it and and then go to start mm. consuming a small amount or, or whatever of, of animal products and I'd I'd be interested mm. in in what people's thoughts are on that because in, in a sense you want to kind of back your friends it it, it it important times in their lives but at the same time like you said Josie like it's it's ultimately the animals who are who are suffering here isn't it and of course as as mm. as pregnant mothers people are concerned about the health of their baby um but it's it's a really different difficult one isn't it like what are our thoughts Josie I wouldn't judge someone if they said they wanted to stop being vegan while pregnant because I think I think judging them is pointless that's not going to get you anywhere because they obviously only come from a place of concern about the baby's health about their health so and you can understand where they're coming from when you see stories like this and why they think that. I'd probably be a bit disappointed that they did think that, but again, wouldn't blame them. But I think it was a shame for the animals that they're going to be losing out and suffering because of that. But um, I don't know, maybe I'd encourage them to do a bit of research. But I don't know, that is, I might, I might not because I might not be brave enough. Who knows? I might just say, yeah, okay, and then be disappointed in my head. 
Who knows? It's bravery, but it's also tact, isn't it? Like if your best pal is is feeling so stressed out that they're they're considering going back on a lifestyle that's like a, a big part of their life because they're they're really concerned and feeling insecure in their pregnancy. I don't know if it's a bit of a dick move to then be like, oh, well, you should read these studies because actually you're wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Like, don't don't get me wrong. I want to advocate on behalf of animals, but I mm. I, I, I don't know if that's. Is, is that going to start start burning a bridge there? Is that actually going to, I don't know, send a message that vegans are completely tactless? Yeah, they might, they might just be annoyed with you. Yeah, it's yeah. Hard. They might just find it annoying that you point that out. Yeah. I don't know. I Maybe, would still say something. I, I don't know. It depends how close you are with yeah. them. I, I would still say something because it, you don't have to go and read the studies. They're quite heavy going, aren't they? There's lots of stuff out there which is easily understood. I mean, the British Dietetic Association supports a vegan diet for, you know, a well-planned vegan diet for everyone, including pregnancy and what have you. I, I just find, you know, there's a lot of misunderstanding out there, isn't there? It's like I've heard some people that drink a lot of cow's milk when they're breastfeeding. It's like you're drinking another, you know, because I don't know what it, they think, whether it goes straight through and out through their breasts. Who knows? I don't know. Um, it's a bit like, you know, I just think it's like, buying a load of chocolate cakes, mushing them up and cooking them and then expecting to come out a lovely chocolate cake. I don't know. I find it really odd. Yeah, I, I would gently try and, you know, help them find out some information that was that was helpful because, you know, they became vegan in the first place because, I'm guessing, because of the, the animals on the planet. And, you know, they must feel very conflicted, must be a, an, a bad, a, a, a hard place to be in, maybe. But there is nothing mm. in this study to worry about. There, most of them, that's not very scientific, but most of them were lacking in nutrients, which are found in abundance in dairy and meat products. They were possibly eating those things already. There probably weren't that many vegetarians or vegans because we're yeah. in the minority. All, you know what I mean? So across the board, during pregnancy, we've got extra nutritional needs. And yeah, we could take a supplement. Everybody in that case. And yes, if you tested people, you might find they're a little bit lower, but that's fine. It's nothing to do with being vegan or vegetarian. You may as well even just connect this supposed growing problem of lack of nutrition with the increase in the number of box recipe boxes yeah <laughs> food getting delivered to people or whatever but nothing in this study is implying any kind of cause and effect and as i've said pregnancy is the only time i can think of where there are certain foods that women are mm. told not to eat and they happen to all be of mm. animal mm. origin yeah absolutely so, so i'm i'm hearing yeah. the science loud and clear there julie and i'm agreeing with you but still i'm interested what do you do if your best pal who's been vegan for a few years becomes pregnant and is then thinking oh no i need to i need to start having some dairy or i need to like what would you oh, do oh i would say this time of pregnancy is the last time to be thinking of going back on your principles because this is the time when you can 100% empathize especially mm. on the dairy front with the cows who are made pregnant repeatedly who lose their calves over and over and over again this is the time sisters when we really get to know how some of that is feeling and on such a kind of primal level as well i don't think you need to be human 
to feel how awful it is, you know, what your body is going through with all the hormones and, and the worry, of, you know, all of that. So, yes, this is the time mm. to go vegan. Never mind, go back on it, I would say. Definitely. And also the fact is that you can absolutely eat incredibly healthily. This is the time to up your fruits and your vegetables and your beans and all the rest of it isn't it and um unfortunately most people's diets that are kind of meat centric are super super unhealthy people are not eating enough fruits and vegetables and they're not eating they're not getting fiber in their diet and all the rest of it so these people will be pretty low and needing supplements i'm guessing as well so probably if there were any vegans in the study i should imagine they were doing pretty well and and i agree this is the time to really empathize with the animals i agree totally. i agree in, yeah. i agree in principle i i just do people make drastic changes to their lifestyle when they become pregnant i don't know i like i've not been there <laughs> I have heard of some people and the thing is it's a long time ago since I was pregnant but um you know you you're kind of you kind of feel well I felt this sort of feeling of a little bit of guilt and stuff because you're suddenly responsible for this other being and especially if it's your first time you know you don't know what you're doing other people have got an opinion and um they're like oh she'd be eating that you know oh is that good for your baby you know and um I don't know I think it's um it's quite a yeah it's unless you kind of read around um it can be quite a quite quite difficult and challenging you're feeling pressurized so yeah I I feel a bit sad that um, this headline and the story behind it is like pointing the finger at uh, vegan mums as they shouldn't be eating vegan food, etc., etc. When there's, we know now that there are so many kids in this country that are not even getting enough to eat um, and they're going hungry. That's mm. what we should be concentrating on and looking at, really. Girls should not be having to step in and with breakfast clubs and buying kids uniforms. I mean, that is is a tragedy, mm. I think. I've got to say, like, it's <laughs> I'm obviously never going to be a mother and I, I have limited understandings of these things. But I, I do find it interesting how much emphasis is put on the gestation period and, and, and pregnancy and how important it is to get things absolutely mm. perfect there. And I, I, I know it's important. I know it's more influential than, let's say, the next nine months. But like the next nine months are quite important too. And the next few years are important. And I don't know, like yeah. an, unless you're completely stressing yourself out for the first 25 years of your child's life on everything that they do and eat and, 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 and things like that, then I don't know. Like you say, it does seem a bit disingenuous to say, oh, well, you're you're a tiny bit deficient in one thing there even if we're saying that the studies aren't necessarily showing that does seem a, just like an opportunity to just shout at vegans without without actual mm. means to um i'm just aware of of the amount of time we've had discussing this already and how long the episode's getting perhaps if we could finish off by just each of us saying how we think we should respond as vegans to to studies like this so you know this has come out it's been reported by a few newspapers it's you know a few social media accounts have um have done videos on it too how should we respond either personally for you or do you think as a as a community if there is such a thing as the vegan community how should we respond Josie can I come to you first like you yeah. you've seen this what what are you going to do what do you think people should do about it 
I mean, I suppose this is our response to it for anybody listening. Then hopefully they'll understand that this study might not be 100% accurate. But yeah, I think sharing things like this on social media are always a good move. I do, I do like to share things, stories like this or pretty much any stories that I think be a good thing to share I like to do that on Facebook or Instagram because then my non-vegan followers and friends and things can see that and maybe they'll learn something but I'm not really sure what else you can do I suppose that's that's pretty much the extent of what I can do cool thank you Kate what's what's your response yeah well my response would be to point out all the amazing and full of energy bouncy vegan kids there are out there and babies you know super duper healthy and vibrant and coming first at their park run and their junior park run (laughs) etc etc so you know um we're bound to be getting this kind of backlash at the moment but in a sense it's blooming good news we're in the news you know, in the newspapers, you know, people people didn't know what we were a few years ago. And we're, we're continuously heating the news. OK, so this is on the face of it, not a great story. But hey, you know, we'll prove them wrong. Absolutely. Julie, what's what's your response to this? Like, how you, how are you going to follow this up? Oh, other than, you know, this discussion, if anybody mentions it to me, which I'm sure they will not, I am beyond the age that I'm having conversations with people. I'm not really, you know, in that demographic where my friends are childbearing age anymore. But even if they were, I would just be pointing out the bad science to them. And yeah, that's all. But yeah, other than that, ignore. It's it's non-use. It's not. There is there is a logic that's being applied here erroneously. Yeah, and I I think my my response would be largely similar. Actually, it's um can can strike a nerve when we see something that's that seems to be criticising veganism out there. We can see it as a threat, but I think if we can keep calm, look at the science, be reassured that in this instance there doesn't seem to be much to it then actually, for me, the, the most important response is actually not to react. For me personally, if I, if I react to things, I can get quite cross, I can get quite vitriolic, and I think sometimes that can do more damage than actually just saying, do you know what, I'm not even going to dignify this with a response. Um, I think if there were if it were a genuine scientific study that seemed to be really showing some fundamental risks to our lifestyle, then I think that would that would require some thought and some a, a, a careful response to but as it's not the case it's just uh oh that's very interesting if you, if you want to know why this is wrong then please contact me but other, otherwise i'll be focusing on other things that that'd be my response but thank you julie kate and josie for your for your thoughts on on that story we'll 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 leave things there shall we so a question for all of you listening right now have you experienced concerns about being pregnant whilst vegan or have you or someone you know done so with positive outcomes uh, we at enough of the falafel believe that the vegan movement needs to hear from as many voices as possible so whether you're keen to appear on the show have a thorny email quandary for us or simply want to leave us a quick comment on instagram it all adds to the dialogue and it's all stuff that we can learn from. So enough of the falafel at gmail.com is our email address. And we're also on Insta, TikTok, and Facebook at Enough of the Falafel. Right, we are almost at the end of the episode now. Josie, Kate, Julie, thank you so much for being part of the show. Does anyone want to give a shout out for anything you're keen to promote or say hello to your 
great aunt Sheena while you're on the airwaves? Yeah. No, I would just like to say that um, me and somebody else called David, uh, we're both based in Worcester and we're trying to set up a chapter of We the Free to try and do some animal rights activism in Worcester. So, And we're trying to recruit more members because we always need more people. So if anybody's local to Worcester, then please do get involved because, I mean, the animals really do need us to be doing this. Absolutely, and uh, it all looks all looks really good. That stuff. Thank so, you. is it? Can I ask? Is it, is it quite a quite a new organisation? Because I hadn't heard of it a few years ago, but now it seems to be in lots. I don't think it is, but I I think it's um it's growing quite quickly. So that's good. They want a they want a chapter. They want a group in every town in the world, <laughs> which is ambitious, but it's a nice ambition. Yeah, absolutely. Well, kudos for you for for doing that. That's outstanding. Thank you. I'd like to give a shout out to, well, Plant-Based Health Professionals UK, who are amazing. So where anyone can find out if they're worried about anything, nutrition and lifestyle. Also, Vegan Runners. Yay! Love Vegan Runners. And also, um, (laughs) Running on Plants, So, who are also a fantastic organisation that are new this year and have massive plans for next year and um uh, there's loads of info follow them get tons of info on on improving your running on recipes and all sorts of stuff like that so they're great as well so they're my my shout outs awesome thanks kate julie shout out for the sheep shout out for all the animals every single one of them none in particular every single one every little one amen to that well thank you everyone for listening you'll be able to hear more from kate in our new year's special airing on new year's eve both kate and julie are in our going vegan mini series that's released in january and i hope we'll be hearing more from josie too in between her street activism anyway that's enough of the falafel from us this week thank you everyone for listening i've been anthony she's been josie she's been kate and i've been julie And this has been episode 13 of Vegan Week.